Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Demartini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody, super, super, super duper, super duper. Welcome to all of you. Yeah. Kicking it up old school right now, Benny. Yeah, you made it in. Benny, I made it. Safety first. And so Benny's like, oh, but you know, Adam, it's okay. Adam Hill joining us here today. (laughs) Dr. Adam Hill. But we're going to be like, oh, we're just shuffling a few things. And all I can think about is that, okay, we're shuffling and shuffling. Oh, you're going back there, are you now? Yeah. And it's that old Kia commercial, isn't it? Two? Uh... Where they do that song? think so oh yeah yeah, yeah what, that what one, are yeah. they the hamsters yeah yeah funny what i remember car, so benny hold on benny it's a scion car i believe the scion maybe yeah. yep yep i believe so every day be shuffling or scrunchling or <laughs> this is my uh uh symbolic um get out of the bag 2020 2020 to oh benny. <laughs> my bread my bread love your bread Love your breath. If only people just heard that more than once in their life. <laughs> Thanks, Pat. Yeah, Benny. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to die on you today. No. I got food. Eat that bread. I'm going to survive. Yeah. Thanks, Pat. Yeah. Appreciate that. Yeah. Gluten-free does not live best. here today. It's the best. <laughs> oh, my God. And we have a special, special event, you know, to us in a short uh, bit here from uh, British Columbia. Megan Edge is in the studio so we're going to have some fun with that as well. Uh, today, a couple of really interesting and cool things, right? We talk about the energy and the change of 20. Linda's even here, right, I Benny? know, surprise! Like, Linda! Wow. Linda, Linda, Linda! So you know that? So the, I know, so people get getting, teared up The waterworks right are coming! Oh, my God! Hug it out! Bring it in! Oh. Hug it out! Oh, there we go. Oh, just my little Linda. Oh my we God. started this beast a long time hey, ago. Hey, we need a commercial. Benny this. and I are like, we need a new commercial log, right? That's <laughs> right. how we started the show. Yeah, we'll tell you uh, now. We won't email yeah, we you will tell you. We'll tell you right on air right now. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, we're like going to be talking about something that's very near and dear to my heart. But the fact that I even know what a commercial log is, right? Like the fact that I know what a commercial log is, mm-hmm. is shocking to me. Um, And for those of you out there, it is 2020. And 10 years ago, right about now, January, yeah, 10 years ago, it was the most nervous point in time of my life. And we had put together Transformation Talk Radio. Oliver from Germany came in and built, I don't even know, I call it our technology, but... I don't even know what to call it at this point. It has so many different piece parts. But what it was was to create a way to get this kind of message to as many stations and as many people worldwide. And when I reflect back now and I think about this, 
I am so grateful because I am not the, the kid that thought when I was younger, my mom committing suicide from alcohol and what we barbiturates, we used to call them. I, I never imagined that here I'd be. And clearly, I've had some bumps in the road. I think almost everyone that has, you know, experienced any form of addiction or abuse has gone down a bumpy pathway. And you find yourself somehow without a home, um, with no place to really live. And albeit my time in that venue was short, shorter than most. I had a lot of angels that helped me get out of it. But I think about some of the decisions I've made and have made at a young age. And then I think about the angels. And that's what today is also about. I want to introduce you to Adam, Dr. Adam, Adam Hill. Medical school, right? Uh, pediatric residency program, doctor, uh, awarded awards beyond awards. You know, this is what we know about what we can achieve, right? But when you look at this from his journey, my journey, the one thing that hadn't been talked about very much was what sometimes happens to folks like him and like me. Depression, suicidal uh, ideas, addiction, and then the lessons learned from personal recovery. And what I love about him joining us here today in his fantastic book, right, Long Walk Out of the Woods, A Physician's Story of Addiction, Depression, Hope, and Recovery. What I love about this is once upon a time, we didn't speak about these things. We either weren't allowed or we felt like we were in some violation of a 12-step program or we just didn't know how. And I'm telling you that this book by Dr. Hill and, and the work he's done This is what's going to save lives and not just save lives from death, but save the lives and the inspired soul within people. This is what happens when you share the darkest and deepest parts of who you are and say, I'm here to be not just that doctor that, you know, I work so hard for, but I am the person here and I'm going to tell you my deal right now. So you all should know that today's show uh, might be a little bit unusual. We may take a couple breaks. We may not. But this is a show that goes beyond inspiration. It's about perspiration. Dr. Hill, great to have you here. Uh, Such a beautiful introduction and and sentiment. Thank you so much. It's a a privilege to join you. Look, I I think I've been on the same pathway. uh, And let me just be very clear. You know, my mom back in the day, you know, and I think you know part of this because I've read your book, but back in the day when we look at people that have gone down the pathway, especially if we go multi-generational, there was something my mom was medicating and she was feisty. She was somebody that was ahead of her time. And when I think about her uh, and why my dad wanted to put her on medication, it was to quiet her, to shut her down. And I think that's what we've learned about addiction. You know, we are not necessarily addressing what's really going on with people. 
we're just trying to, my word, not yours, cover it up. I want to ask you this. You've accomplished a lot. You've written a fantastic book. I want to know what some of the challenges, what some of the obstacles are that you've had to overcome, Dr. Hill, to bring you to this very moment. Sure. Um, you know, I my story is not unlike a lot of people. I struggled early in my youth with social anxiety and and bullying. I never really felt like I belonged. I had these emotional inadequacies and insecurities that festered for for many years and um, really sort of didn't know who I was, but yet I masked those um, personal insecurities by high academic and athletic achievements. And it really fueled me to be a perfectionist and to achieve and to achieve. And I was successful in that path to the tune of getting into medical school, being a double major graduate from college and getting into my first choice for residency and, and fellowship jobs. Um, and so, but deep down inside, I did that and I achieved to really mask uh, the internal turmoil and not knowing what to do with it and uh, for many years and until eventually the, the bottom dropped out. Yeah. Uh, you and I both know what that's like. You know, part of this is really what does it take for us to get to this place where you and I can talk openly about it? But even more importantly, I love the opening of the book, right? And I just want to I want to read it to people, if you don't mind. It's Thank right you. out of the preface, and it says, My name is Adam. I am a human being, husband, father, physician, recovering alcoholic, and mental health patient. Now, many people might think, yeah, that sounds, that's great. But to get to the place where we can fully step into the I am power of that. It is a journey. What was your journey like? That's right. And, you know, uh, being in the darkest depths of suicidal ideation and, and addiction, obviously um, I had this had moment of grace in my life and family and support network and, and people that helped pull me out of that. It, you know, but even with all that hard work and the day-to-day -day, uh, uh, grind of doing the next right thing, it took me years of shame and guilt and feeling different um, that I had done something wrong, that I was morally weak, that I was inadequate in some way, even being successful in recovery. And, you know, personally for me, it shifted when, you know, I've lost six colleagues to suicide in my career. And and I'll be 40 this year. Um, and after a, another loss of a colleague, I was several years into recovery, and I just felt like I had to speak up and say something about my mm -hmm. story and my experience to combat the stigma and stereotypes and public shaming and judgment that often happens so that maybe it would help somebody else suffering in silence. And that was this key epiphany moment for me is that, if I'm if I went into medicine to be a healer and took an oath to do no harm and to help other people, then I can't turn a blind eye to the people who are suffering right next to me, as colleagues and and peers. Yeah, you know I love that you're talking about that because first of all, I never thought in a million years that I would be anywhere near what I'm doing in life, and I think about this because you know Doctor Doctor Hill. Here's the deal. 
I, we're coming up on celebrating uh, a decade and a half for the Dr. Pat show, which didn't start out as that. You know, it started out as this really fun, funky, and we're going to actually, Benny, bring back the crust-busting hour. And, you know, it started out as crust-busting your way to an awesome life. Because here I was, like you, and I had just finished a docu- doctorate, which was unheard of for me. I mean, first of all, a, a, a bit of a learning disorder, GRE scores that just would make any, you know, like a, any academic person scream, right? But was enough to get into Claremont. And then I take a look at, you know, the journey itself, what it was like to then be on the stage. But here's the thing. That happened after sobriety. And yet the loss of my job, coupled with the clarity to know what to do, I think we have to talk about what you just said. What happens when you're clear of mind and your heart can be open, right? And you have this this new level of spirit and, you know, connection to consciousness. What does it do to enable you, Dr. Hill, what did it do for you to enable you to say, I need to do more? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that I see it as an incredible gift to, to be in recovery and to find healing and health and to be guided and ushered on that path by the generosity of other people. And so I, you know, I feel indebted to be able to give that away and to help other people uh, find what I found and find a better way of living and, and happiness and joy and meaning and purpose and in life. And so, you know, I feel on one hand a sense of responsibility to do that, but, but even more so just an immense uh, pleasure and joy and, and ability to you know, to help other people find what, what I've been, um, what I've been able to, to find myself. Let's jump to this, because there's a piece of this, too, that's important. I buried three sisters and a stepmom. Mm-hmm. I buried my first sister, my birth sister, you know, uh, literally after, uh, you know, watching years of addiction to really bury her feelings and the responsibility that she was taking for my mom's suicide and the fact that the family blamed her. And, you know, now looking back, you and I know that when we're talking about people that are in this much pain, where addiction, recovery is not even an option for them, and that was the case with my mom, right? When they're in this much pain and the only way out for them is an escape from either emotions or mental turmoil and abuse that is, you know, applied because of years of guilt and shame. For whatever reason, it doesn't have to be significant. It's just it's just there. My sister, you know, didn't know that chances are there was nothing she was going to be able to do to stop my mother lighting herself on fire. And my sister didn't know at the time that my mom had actually tried the first time. And the only reason I knew, Dr. Hill, is because my stepmom saved the letters my dad was going to throw away that my mom sent uh, to him, 
while she was in Bellevue Hospital in New York after her first attempt. But I want to ask you, this journey of yours that you so beautifully talk about, right, in the book, how did you get out of the woods? Yeah, and, and I appreciate you sharing so much of your truth, and it's powerful to sit in the presence of that, too. So thank you. Um, you know, for me, it was, you know, in my darkest depths, I was in denial and had really low self-awareness and didn't really need, you know, know that how deep I had fallen. I just knew, as you alluded to, that I needed the pain to end. And to me, it was... Um, the most selfless thing that I could do was to relieve the burden of me from other people's lives. And so I felt it was actually, you know, doing something gracious um, to help other people would be to, to leave this world. And, you know, I had this, this moment of grace in my life, my wife and I, who had been disconnected for months of isolation and just fracturing of our marriage. Uh, she, persistently just chased after me and kept reaching out and reaching out and, you know, write about tangibly in the book of her just continuously calling me and phone off the hook calling until I picked up and, and it, you know, found me when I needed it most. And, and really from there, it was getting plugged into recovery community and, and therapy and, and treatment and uh, really building a support network and, and it was really, really miserable. I don't think we acknowledge or talk enough that no. for the first three or six months for me, I all that had happened was my one coping skill was taken away abruptly. I yep. used to, you know, self medicate and now I have to actually face the, you know, demons and turmoil in my life without the skills to do so. So it was it was brutal and but about six months in I, you know, something started to click and I kept showing up, going to meetings, reaching out, going to treatment and opening up and talking about my, uh, my struggles. And, you know, as cheesy as or cliche as it sounds, the things started to click and life started to make more sense and started to really feel, um, you know, joy again. And, um, but it's, uh, it's been a continuous walk and, here I am still eight years later, yeah. learning and maturing and growing and evolving and, and taking one day at a time. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things, too, that you mentioned and your book talks about it is, and we don't talk about this enough, but I have to tell you that I got called on the carpet by, uh, let's just say, one of my long-term friends, right, that knows my story. And this happened about, I'd say, September-ish. And they said to me something interesting. And they said, yeah, wow, like we've known you for a long time. You know, you, you know, sat in the halls. You, you, you know, we know you. And you own a network. Have you ever considered launching an addiction channel? Like an entire channel dedicated with people hosting shows on any form of addiction. And I looked at her and I basically said, you know what? You're the angel that showed up for us to make sure we plan that for 2020. But here's the thing that you and I both 
have overcome. And I want to say this to everybody out there that's listening. It is like uh, Dr. Adams said. There's a lot that got us to this point. There's a lot that got us to the point where we can speak out about it. There's a lot. Because underneath all of this, there's a pain. But there's also a stereotype and there's a stigma. And there's professional, um, how should I say it, bias. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not a medical doctor, but, you know, I have a Ph.D. in psychology, so it's not quite the same. But when we talk about these things, we experience a level of uh, stigmatization. And I want to ask you, what has this been like since you published the book? Yeah, so, you know, the I started speaking openly a few years ago and traveling and, and lectures and I think within the medical community initially it was so much love um and acceptance that I I was met with when I started speaking about this and then that sort of expanded beyond the scope of, of medicine, uh, to be able to talk and share. You know, and so I think on the individual level, there's been um, just a need and a want for this type of message and how we can really delve deep into the individual characteristics of our own story and not assign, as you talked about, such assumptions or stereotypes um, to this. But, you know, this is a very common story of mental health and addiction and and something that we should talk openly and honestly about. Yeah. But the truth of the, as you also, you know, mentioned before, the institutional stigmatization and this pedestal that we put professionals on, and even just the pathways of which we maintain credentialing and licensing, and how we tie jobs to, um, you know, uh, the process of hiring professionals is that we ask about mental health. And we ask, have you ever been treated? Have you ever been on medications? Have you ever, you know, had any addiction history? And so we've built this, um, you know, policy of discrimination for decades that has railroaded people uh, away from seeking help and treatment. And, and that's partially to blame for this epidemic and crisis of suicide in medicine that we see. And it's not just in medicine. We see this in aviation and education and oh, yeah. dentistry and, yeah. and and the law um, as well, that we've somehow felt like if we can isolate you and identify you as somebody who is abnormal or anomalous, that will therefore um, do better as a culture. And the truth has been quite the opposite. Yeah. And, you know, we're going to take a short break because when we come back, we're going to jump ahead at the hope part of this conversation. And what I mean by that, Dr. Hill, is that there's a reason you and I are talking today and we're not slurring our words. And part of that is because, you know, we have come on the other side, but it does take work. There's no question. You know, there's a phrase, and uh, I've used it a lot with the women I've worked with over literally three decades. And that is no matter what, and, and that's, that's a phrase, no matter what, and to what lengths will you go? Will you go to any lengths to save your life? And those two questions seem simple and easy to answer, 
But the question in your book that you hit us up with, that we're going to talk about when we come back, is I think one of the most difficult questions for those of us that have been down this pathway and look back at the shame and what we've done in others' lives and we take a look at that. We have to be able to ask this question you asked. And we're going to do that when we come back. Um, before we go to break, how can people find out more about you, Dr. Hill? How can they get a copy of this fantastic book? Sure. So I, I do have a website at adambhillmd.com that you can check out and see some of my other publications and blog and pictures as well as information about the book. Uh, the book is also available really online anywhere books are sold. Your Amazon's Barnes & Noble books, a million targets of, of the world. So you can pick up a copy there. I love it. And, you know, you have a great team that you work with to get this book out there. You know, um, you work with some folks we've been working with for decades and decades and decades. And, you know, what I want to say about that is Donna Gould is one of the best. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, I'm going to ask everybody the question that Dr. Hill asks us. Everybody. I'm going to ask everybody today this question. Then we're going to talk about how you demonstrate it. What does it look like? What is life holding for you? What does it have in its hands for you on the other side of that first step, that first step of awareness and admission? Let's take a short break. Mr. Benny, we'll be right back. Did you know that all of the shows on the Transformation Radio Network are available as podcasts to stream or download? Really? Check us out. Go to transformationradio.fm. We have business shows, spiritual shows, energy healing shows, and pretty much everything in between. Something for everyone guaranteed to inspire, educate, and transform. We are transforming the world one listener at a time. Join the New Earth on the Cornelia Stephanie Show. Tune in each month as Cornelia takes listeners on an odyssey of higher consciousness to inspire, educate, and empower. Cornelia Stephanie is a spiritual teacher, passionate speaker, published author, and founder of the Empower Network. Cornelia guides people on the path of self-healing, peace, and liberation. For more information, go to CorneliaStephanie.com. Hi, I'm Laura Meeks, and the most common problem that my clients face is all work and no play. This is why I created Fly High Living. I help you develop a balanced life plan and guide you to a place where you love to wake up in the morning. Call 888-666-1570 or go to flyhighliving.com to sign up for the four-week Flight Plan for Life course. Do you want the knowledge and wisdom to understand where spirituality, science, and psychology intersect? Then join the Karmic Path Radio Show with Tina and Laura on TransformationTalkRadio.com, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Pacific. Follow this charmingly, disarmingly dynamic duo as they explore how psychic ability, spirituality, and karmic law tie together. For more information on Tina, Laura, and their groundbreaking work, visit TheKarmicPath.com. To see your life from an angel's perspective, book a personal consultation with Claire Candy Hoff, angelic walk-in angel Ariel at Angel Healing House. 
Candy provides intuitive counseling, Reiki, and angel readings in person in Los Angeles or nationally and internationally via phone or Skype. She will channel the practical tools you need to transform your life. Call now, 831-277-3716 or visit angelhealinghouse.com. A word of caution, if you prefer the status quo and you are not interested in improving every aspect of your life, this book will trigger the shift out of you. The Truth is Funny, Shift Happens is available now. Author Colette Steffen brings the powerful knowledge and life-changing energy and empowerment from the radio airwaves to the pages of her new book. To get your copy in paperback or ebook, visit thetruthisfunny.com today. Are you willing to challenge everything you've been taught about life and death? Join Angie Corbett Kuyper on her hit show, Beyond Grief Radio. Redefining loss and grief as Angie shares through choice, present moment awareness, and keeping an open mind that creating anything is possible, even in death. Tune in every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. For more information or to listen to past shows, visit AngieCorbettKuyper.com. The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. If you're like I am, it can be rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, don't you? And it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance from the quality of that inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. On The Christine Upchurch Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Join me, Christine Upchurch, every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on KKNW AM 1150 and Transformation Talk Radio and learn new ways to step into your vibration of change. Tune in to Knowledge Rook Radio with host Marge Potasic each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Through many experiences, Marge was led to the Knowledge Book, a gift to humanity in its transition to the Golden Age, and it provided the truth and the answers. She now shares information from the Knowledge Book with you each week on TransformationTalkRadio.com. For more information, visit USA.TheKnowledgeBook.net. Oh, I like that. I like that. When is, when do I hear the Shaka Khan? Oh. When do I hear Shaka Khan come in on that version? No, not on that version. It's that Steve Winwood. You Shaka Khan. Take me to higher. Oh yeah, that's a different song. Oh, is this it? is higher love. That's higher oh. learning or something. No, no, it's the same song. Is it really? Yeah, you got to cue oh, that. Oh, you're right. Up. Is it right? Shaka Khan comes in. In that version? Yeah. I'll, I'll take a listen. Oh, it's it's I think it's like at the end though. Oh, well, that's but I never she, she, I never get to the end of it. No, but she kind of, <laughs> she she like kicks it up all through it. I, I don't like, doubt you now. Yeah. Anything that has to do with Shaka Khan, <laughs> I can tell you about. Hey everybody, welcome back. Uh Long Walk Out of the Woods, a physician's story of addiction, depression, hope and recovery. You know, it's interesting. Uh, this is a book by Dr. Adam Hill and we are talking about this. I want you to say for you all uh, questions, comments, just give us a call. 1-800-930-2819. Um, this is an arena now when you say the word addiction. 
you know somebody that has to know somebody that has to know somebody. Somewhere along the way, there's something that's going on now that has really opened up, you know, the, the six degrees, as they say, to who we know in this arena. And this, when we talk about addiction, and, and Dr. Hill talks about addiction, it has no boundaries on race. It has no boundaries on gender. It has no boundaries on age. It has no boundaries on sexual orientation. It has no boundaries. It is that thing when you say the word addiction. It is across countries. It's across cultures. It's across anything that you can imagine. It is the thing that has a universal effect. And when you say the word addiction, there might be different forms of it. But in the end, the outcome is still the same. Um, Dr. Hill, one more time, thank you for joining me here today. And we are going to give a copy of your book away. But please tell folks how they can find out more about you uh, and find out uh, how to get a copy of this fabulous book. Sure. Um, So you can visit my website at adambhillmd.com for more information about the book or my blogs or pictures or other publications. Um, And you can pick up a book online anywhere books are sold. Look, um, let's go ahead, Benny. It's a good time to give our copy away. 1-800-930-2819. So now we move on to a part of the book that is, in some, in some respects, Dr. Hill, the toughest part. You know, it's the part where you and I literally have to convince people listening that there is a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. You know, that peace and joy will break out. Uh, that, in my case you'll still be able to dance on the dance floor without being, like, out of it. This is the part. But here's your question, and this has always been one of the toughest questions to answer, whether you are in the realm of addiction or not. And you ask it right out of the gate. Do you love yourself? Do you love yourself? And I've got to really ask you about that question because I was asked the same question by somebody similar to the, to the person that asked you. What happened when you were asked that question? Yeah, and, and so it was kind of early on in the therapeutic process of recovery, and I think that in that space uh, I was so filled with shame and guilt and uh, resentment and anger, and um, that I was a little bit dumbfounded by by the question. I didn't even see how it was relevant to what I was supposed to be doing in, in recovery. Um, and so, you know, I, I really was taken aback. I didn't know how to answer the question, and it really took a long time, um, you know, months, if not several years, to evolve into an understanding that self-compassion and an ability to look in the mirror and say that I love and respect you and all your faults and flaws and failings, um, but that you're worthy of the the greater things to come, that um, it took time. It took time and work and effort and, and feedback and unfortunately for me being surrounded with incredibly loving, supportive people. 
You know, one of the things, too, that, you know, let's fast forward to who you are today. You know, you are not only Dr. Adam Hill, Dr. Adam B. Hill, right? You know, you are, as I said, a father. You have two kids, at least, unless you had another one since <laughs> since they wrote this up. But you are a third one, a third one coming on the okay, way. I see. I, I knew Benny. <laughs> I've like got that intuitive thing going on right here. You had it. We're on the same page. Yeah, boy. I'm telling you. And you know, th- here's why. Because you have made a commitment to be all in about this. And see, this is really my message for anybody out there. Addiction is not something you can be half in. You know, there are other things in life you can have one foot in and one foot out. You know what I mean? But this is not it. Addiction recovery is not it. Recovery is the thing you got to have. You got to be like, no matter what, I'll go to any lengths. And I want to ask this for you. Most people don't know that the level of occurrences, the high rates of addiction, depression, suicide, um, they don't know about that uh, uh, regarding medical professionals. This is not something that gets talked about. Yeah, maybe on some of the shows on TV. I think one of the shows, like the Good Doctor show, kind of featured one of the female doctors going through about like after the mom died. But it's not really talked about at all. Yeah, that's right. And and I think that, you know, part of my calling to be able to share this and my experience is that we haven't talked openly yeah. about it in a, in a way to move the conversation forward. And, and now there are more and more people, I think, that are willing to stand up and, and share their story and and, and it is a story, like you shared, that, you know, where rates of suicide in medicine now are, have surpassed even the military in yep. terms of one of the highest risk professions, the highest risk profession. And um, and so it is something we need to really uh, see as a public health uh, emergency and crisis. Yeah. And by the way, uh, both the military and the medical professionals these two professions are really, uh, and when I say medical, I, it's broad for me. It doesn't exclude, it includes dentists, right? It includes nurses. It includes yep. PAs. It includes that. So we're just medical, right? We're just saying that, right? Exactly. Uh, and military is the same. We're just saying military. It's like all of it. It's like the Coast Guard, everybody. But these are the two professions, in my opinion, but I'd love your kickback on this if you don't mind these are the two professions that do not make it easy to come forward and i talk to my medical friends and you know people in director levels in the va and i'm like no you do not make it easy for our vets to come forward you just don't you put a question on a form and then you put that in the record and then they never come forward I don't know. Am I, am I like no, you're being a little dramatic right. with I mean, that? No, I think the 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 that dramatic uh, interpretation is appropriate. We need to be raising flags and awareness about this. That for we know that medical uh, residents are six point six times more likely to make an error and cause a patient safety event when they're working with untreated depression. And yet, the first thing we do is ask those same residents, have you ever been treated for a mental health 
condition have you ever been on antidepressants when they apply for their next job so something is wrong here and if we you know this story is not um one of pity or self-importance it's one of you know creating a culture where everybody is taken care of and um, including the patients under our care and building a culture that supports that um and unfortunately we we failed to do so I want to jump to this part that, again, is is in your book and, and so beautifully laid out with your own personal story. But it is at the crux, I think, of what will cause somebody to come forward or not. Uh, what would cause you to write a book and me to talk about it or not? What would cause Ellen Stewart, right, who's got a fabulous show that talks about recovery recharged, right, what would make folks come forward now and talk about it? Why now? What would do that? And one of the things that comes to mind is what you say in the book, where you talk about stereotyping and the importance of individual stories. There's nothing, nothing I think more powerful than individual stories. And, and the reason I want to bring that up is because it is the core element of all of the 12-step programs. I don't care if it's Overeaters Anonymous, if it's the nicotine folks, if it's the um, AA, AA, NA, NEA, it doesn't matter. The core of it is having people witness your journey. And I wanted to ask you, you could have stopped this chapter by saying stereotyping, period. But you didn't. You said stereotyping and the importance of individual stories, and it got my attention. Tell me how individual stories guide you today, but guided you in your recovery. Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, I wrote this story because I see there's so much human truth in it that um, we've all been affected by by mental health and addiction stories and each one of us have our own individual path that's worthy of being heard and I think when you see yourself in another it it really there's this birthplace for compassion and empathy and understanding and the more stories we have out there to be able to combat with this sensationalized stereotype of what mental health and straight jackets and lobotomies or addiction of you know are then we can really find uh, ourselves in another person and that's how we create community and that's how we create connection and that's how we create safe spaces where people will feel like they're connected enough to come forth to seek help and treatment and you know professionally I've done this and created a program and infrastructure in our children's hospital here at Riley Hospital for Children. Tell us about that. I I would love for you to talk about that, please, because, Ben, it's awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah, so we, you know, we've created this Compassion uh, Rounds project where we really just, we invite all comers. To your point earlier, we have our cafeteria workers, our environmental service workers, our respiratory therapists, social workers, chaplains, docs, nurses, but it's really about community and it's everybody who, you know, works in this building uh, come and we pack an auditorium of upwards of 300 people and we tell human stories of have a panelist of three, four people and share 10 minutes of a piece of their stories focused on a topic. Sometimes it's grief, loss, tragedy, death, suffering, 
um, we did one on mental health and myself and three other people told their stories and had somebody share about, you know, PTSD and being a child abuse survivor and having somebody else share um, about their mental health and anxiety uh, story. And, you know, in doing so, we carve and create spaces where people in the audience then can say, wow, that's a piece of my story in there too. And now I have somebody that I can look to and connect to and know that's there for me. And just created these pockets of organic, natural uh, vulnerability that spread uh, empathy. And I think it's made a huge difference in, in our institution. You know, one of the things that I am, um, uh, and, you know, I know we've got a short time left. One of the things I think you and I need to talk about and, and, uh, and, and talk about it in terms of where we are today and what our future is like. You know, one of the things that I think you learn is to take one day at a time. But no one, no one has ever said that you don't create a vision for your future, that you don't create a vision for you. And I think that it's important for you and I today to talk about the world of possibilities. And the reason I say that, Dr. Hill, is because you know, part or or a majority, uh, uh, let's just say a big chunk of the reasons that, you know, folks, we do drink, we do abuse food, we do do that, is there is a numbing factor, a numbing factor, whatever that is, you know, whether you've been abused as a child, uh, whether there is something that has happened to you, there's a pain, let's call it, there's a pain. And when you stop numbing that pain or thinking about stopping it, all of the insecurities about will I be good enough come to the surface. And I think we need to talk about what really does happen when you do stop addiction of any kind. Could you talk about that for yourself? No, I think it's such a beautiful and powerful point. And, you know, I've seen sort of just these inspirational story or fairy tale type recoveries that are also sort of just simplified and sensationalized. And the truth is that uh, it requires a lot of hard work and it requires, um, you know, for me, it was things actually got a little bit worse in, in the beginning before. Me it too. Got better. Yeah. And and so, but but boy, now I can look back, you know, eight years later, and just um, one of my favorite inspirational just um, videos and clips was a guy named Kyle Maynard who was born um, without uh, full arms and legs, and as uh, an inspirational motivational speaker, he climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, and he talks about. You know, I looked up at the top of the mountain and said, wow, I have so much further still to go as he was climbing. But I forgot to look back and think and, you know, how far I've already come. And I just always loved that visualization and um, depiction is now I can look back and say, yeah, it was hard. Um, but boy, what an amazing journey it's been these last eight years. Yeah. And let's talk about this because I think it's part of it's part of the conversation. People have asked me over time, um, and they ask me uh, about my own journey. In the past, I think, three years, I've started to share, you know, bits of it openly. 
right? Mom commits suicide. I'm homeless at 17. Uh, and I'm sitting in front of a judge at age 19. And so, you know, when I think about that life and I think about how my life changed in 1990, I have to say that part of the journey, and I would love to ask you this, is you wake up. I shared this story about how I went into work one day after looking in the mirror of my big corporate executive home on five acres with all the cars and the sports car, the, the HR job and the phone company, and I'm, I'm walking out of the door, right, in this foyer, 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 that literally could be somebody's apartment. And I look in the mirror, and I was unrecognizable to myself in a flash. You know what I mean? I was, I, I was early on in my own sobriety, but I, I didn't recognize me. But now I couldn't do the things to achieve success that I had done before. And I'm telling you, I walked in and I raised hell. I was not going to implement a downsizing plan that let go of a woman with 29 years, 11 months of service. And then I started supports group because back in the day, they didn't fire you on the spot. They kept you there. And I said to my boss, I was six months away from a pension and it didn't matter And I said to my boss, you're not going to fire her. I'm not going to implement downsizing. By the way, it was my job. And uh, you can take my head count. Now, where do you find that level of truth as an addict? Do you understand what I mean? Right? How life changes. My life got harder because I could no longer be the person that I was. How about you? Yeah, and at the same time, I think there's just an incredible liberation that comes with being able to live your authentic truth every single day. And that's what I ultimately, you know, I decided in writing the story and openly speaking was that, you know, I don't, I don't want to hide. I want to, I want to, you know, choose, um, you know, living my my authentic truth and living it openly out there and I may face some criticism or, you know, um, for doing so. But to me, it just gives me, uh, such a peace and, uh, sense of knowing and, uh, in the book, um, you know, very meaningfully talking about that. I, uh, I wrote this book so that my children don't have to grow up in a, in a space where their stories will be scrutinized and judged and that hoping that they find compassionate places for their stories to be told, no matter who they love, what they do, what, who they work for, or, you know, um, what sort of condition, mental health condition they have. And, and, and that's why I think it's important uh, for me to speak up is, you know, to set a tone for, for, for other people and especially for, generations. I am struck by the stories in the book. I'll tell you the one that got to me. You have a lot of great stories in the book and they're really heart opening. But by the time I got to the end of the book and and read about Olivia, Mm. I totally was in tears because Mm. this is about you developing a relationship with her and talking about the life of Pi. And as you develop this, right, relationship and the deepness of it and I turn the page I have to read this 
to people because this is why we go through the pain and the agony that we may, may endure for a short time uh, in the recovery process, but nothing like the pain we endure in the process of addiction. And it says this from Olivia, I wanted to thank you for the kindness you showed me during the toughest times of my life. My boat made it ashore. I still have the letter, but I ate the pickles. Now you all are gonna have to read the book to get the full story, but that act of kindness that found you at a time that you needed it. That's right. And, and I think the, the beauty of those small windows of opportunities that we're able to see or that you know, I think there's so, you know, hundreds if not thousands of moments in all of our lives where we made a difference or an impact in somebody's and we were never told or we never find out. And that was one small glimpse to me, how a few minutes of my day impacted somebody else's life in a very meaningful way and, and then and vice versa, right? She she did it to me in a way that she'll never know or understand um, the grace of of her reaching out and mm. how much it meant to me and and I think that there's a powerful truth in there that we can change somebody's life with uh, even the smallest, simplest acts and um, and they're meaningful. Absolutely. I want to thank you for bringing this, your story and the story of others to life. Please give out your website again. And then one last question. What's your personal message? What do you want to leave us with? And thank you again. Sure. And uh, so it's adambhillmd.com is the website. And you can find more about the book or my blogs or other information. And, you know, personally, um, I just want people to know that no matter what they're going through or struggling with, that you're not alone and that uh, to reach out your hand and, and, and find help because there are so many better days out there in the future and hope and recovery are possible. And, um, and I think everybody deserves that. Yeah. And I, my message to everybody that's even thinking about this or wondering, and if you know somebody, which I know you do, you have to fasten your seatbelt. Once you make the decision to be all in with your recovery and you fasten your seatbelt because your life will change so much for the good that you want to just sit back and enjoy the ride. Thank you, Dr. Hill. Thank you so much for today. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you, Benny, for pushing all the right buttons. We're going to take a short break, everybody. And we have got Megan Edge in the house. So stay tuned. We'll be right back.